Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of Holding Court. We are going to be joined today by our guest, Dodger manager Dave Roberts. We'll chat with him about his journey to becoming the manager, how he handles his decision-making and builds relationships with his players, life as a dad, his unique idea for social media, and if we're lucky, he might even share his signature cocktail recipe. Coming up right now. Boom. Can you believe it? I know what you're talking about, and no, I can't. Can you believe it? It's here. We're here. I mean, honestly, there was... You're there. I won't say we. I won't be one of the... No, we're here. We, we were in this together. I posted... <laughs> that's beautiful. I posted something on Twitter... I reposted like a pump up video the Dodgers posted of you and I said, we're ready. I just meant like I'm ready for action. I didn't mean I'm ready to run the hot corner. Play the hot corner? You don't play it. You got to run it. No, I play the hot corner. You don't run the hot corner. No, but like you run that ish. I feel like if you're running it, that's like managing it. No, I play it. Regardless. Irregardless, regardless. I don't know which one. It is. I'm off to a rough start today. Hey, it's there's a lot of excitement in the air right now. Yeah, I we're ready. As fans, we're ready, and I know as a player, you're ready. So we're all ready for something. It's opening day. Opening day. 2020. Those are some words that people might not have thought ever would have went together after all this. I know. But we're here. We're excited. Can't wait. Quick little summer camp. It was quick. Exhibition it was quick. series-ish. Went well. 3-0. I think it just made me more excited for games that count. Absolutely. I feel like when you're rolling and you're in that situation, you're obviously doing really well. You're kind of thinking, can't these just count? Absolutely. I don't know. Maybe that's just what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, also some other big news. Dodgers, Mookie Betts. Oh, yes. Huge extension. You scared me. I forgot. I didn't know where you were going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Huge extension. Yeah. Uh, wow. 12 years. A lot of a lot of cake. Yeah, that's a big one. I feel like, I don't know the last time the Dodgers signed someone to that. I don't know if they've ever signed anyone to that long of a deal. Probably not. I think in the interview today, um, Andy McCullough... Uh, congratulated Andrew Friedman on his first free agent signing of over a hundred million dollars. Oh, so it's definitely the longest. Yeah, for Andrew, not for Ned. Ned Ned was a wild man. Yeah, but twelve years. Did Ned do a twelve year deal? No, Ned didn't do a twelve year deal. It's the longest yeah. years probably for any Dodger, but uh, definitely the most money and the first time apparently that Andrew's done over a hundred million dollar deal. So. Good for Andrew, amazing for Mookie, and uh, unbelievable for the city of L.A. to get a full decade of, of Mookie Betts. Yeah, exciting for him and his family. It's strange because normally at this point I would have been able to meet him and you know his girlfriend and be familiar with them, and it's really strange to be in July, and I still haven't had the chance to meet them, but excited for them and definitely looking forward to... Getting to know them. Absolutely. 
Well, let's, uh, you want to, you want to bring on our special guest today? I know who better on opening day than the skipper himself joining us and offering some insight into the season, into his life, maybe a cocktail recipe. I don't know. Before he comes on here, let me ask you a question. Do you know why people call him doc? Yes. Well, some, uh, we had a player ask him why people oh, called DR doc. like doctor yeah, yes. and then it became doc. Yeah. And they, it, it wasn't like computing. It's like Arby's. He, he was like explaining it. The other roast day. beef RB. So it just became Arby's. I think unless it's some guy's last name. That's your theory. I think, I don't know if that's true. No, it's true. We'll see. I don't know. Arby's is be. definitely someone tweet us. Tell us. No, I'm just going to Google it right after. I'm going to do my own research. Okay. Well. I mean, you can tweet me as well. Tell me your favorite uh, Arby's item. I can Oof. tell you mine. It is the classic roast beef. Now you get options. You can do like I think a half pound, a pound, a pound and a half. Where, where are we going right now? Or <laughs> there's the beef and cheddar. Oh, the beef and cheddar. The curly fries. I, no dairy for me. I can't the Arby's the sauce, the horsey sauce, the Jamocha shake. The horseradish, I can't do the horseradish sauce either. Yeah, you I think can. It's, I think it's... No. Are uh, you sure? Yeah, I think you're good. I think the sauce has dairy No, I think it. it's like mayo-based, which is dairy-free. Mm, we'll, we'll look that up too. Tweet us and let us know if horsey oh, sauce man. is dairy-free. All right, let's bring him on. Let's get to it. Let's get him on the line. Hi, Dave. How are you? Courtney, I'm doing great. Um, I uh, have a margarita in hand, <laughs> so I'm ready to hang out with you guys tonight. Well, we're kind of unofficially actually sponsored by your Red Stitch wine tonight. We both have our, our glasses here ready to go. Oh, great. So are you guys drinking Pinot, Chardonnay, Cabernet? What do we got tonight? We got that 2013 bottle you just brought to the field the other day for me. So, uh, I, I actually brought it for Courtney, but I'm glad you're well, uh, taking part as well, Jeff. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I poured my glass first, I'll tell you that. We wasted no time getting into that bottle. So it's, it's going to be fun to have this conversation and see where it starts off um, as we are just starting to uh, consume to then where it ends up. So exactly. uh, it's going to be fun. <laughs> well, I got a first question for you. This bottle, this 2013 bottle of Pinot, uh, Court tried to look it up and she couldn't find it on the Red Stitch wine on the, on the website. Is it on the, is it even for sale yet? So we sold out. Oh, you sold and, out. Uh, yeah. And, and honestly, guys, it's been so much fun kind of. And, and you guys know when you're in baseball in that life to have something as a diversion, which you guys do so many things of charity, uh, which is amazing. And for me, it's kind of been wine. So that 13 red stitch Pinot Noir is sold out. So I just wanted to treat you guys to something nice. I know exactly why it's sold out because it is phenomenal. I'm sitting here drinking Thank it right you. now. It's, it's so good. And Courtney wanted to like put me on blast and make me like, tell you what I'm tasting. In, yeah, in I said, the, <laughs> I like, said uh, tell me the notes that you're getting from this glass while you're drinking it. Exactly, Courtney. <laughs> After his baseball career, you guys can be sommeliers. Exactly. You got to push him, Courtney. Justin just, does this weird thing. I don't know. Maybe it's normal, but when he drinks a glass of wine he and he's tasting it, he does this like where he bubbles it on the in his tongue and he's like, oh, that's how you're supposed to taste it and it, he looks very strange doing it and he always does it when we're in napa or we're even in italy yeah. is that a normal way to taste i just kind of sip it but he does this like so whole effect it's they're, very they're, yeah they're both fine but i do think that if you're trying to get more notes what they and i put in air quotes what they say the experts in wine 
suggest that you kind of take a sip and then you breathe air in through your mouth. And that what that does, is it sort of accentuates the flavors. So um, that's kind of, I, I know Justin knew that. So that's what I just wanted to say it for him. That's right. I do. I do it right, but I still am terrible at pulling the different nodes out of it. And I just, every, every wine, I'm just like tobacco. <laughs> berries. Tobacco, berries. Berries. You, you're fine. You're, you're up. And if it's a white wine, just say lemon. Um, yeah, you're, right. you're, to, you're absolutely floral. You're fine with that. Floral, floral, yeah. floral. There you go. <laughs> but what's crazy is that I remember when I first got to the big leagues. You know, people weren't drinking wine. Players weren't drinking wine. It was beer um, on the planes and in the clubhouse. And then now it's just crazy is that how much more it's evolved. Where players, their wives, you know, they're drinking wine together and and talking. You know, Napa, they're talking France, they're talking Burgundy. And, and obviously, we all know that there's so many athletes now that have their own labels, which is fun. I remember Joe Blanton on the team plane a few years ago, and he actually had this case, and he had it all in there. It was his glasses. They even had yeah. – his wife had the wine, the cheese, the cracker. The like the full, yeah. The full yeah. setup. I'm like, okay, I was drinking it out of a solo cup, but – I'll take the glassware. That's fine. Exactly. <laughs> no doubt. No, it's so funny. And then Joe Blanton now owns a vineyard up there and they're living yep. on the property and kind of soup to nuts, all of it kind of harvesting and, you know, all that stuff doing the crush. And so that's very cool for Joe and his family, but absolutely. I mean, guys chop with their glasses and I even have our, uh, you know, guy who does kind of all the strength oversees a lot of the strength and conditioning and nutrition stuff for the Dodgers, Brandon McDaniel. And I got a text early this morning talking about travel, potential travel. And he's like, hey, we can't really bring food and wine on the planes. And I can't have your charcuterie plate ready. So <laughs> what do you want me to do? And it's just, it's just crazy how things have come. Yeah, that's crazy. And then we know how like small of a world baseball is. Like everyone is, you, you just seem like you know everyone everywhere you go. Is it the same way in the wine world? Like the more, the longer you're in it, you kind of get to know uh, the people and what they do and what they're about? Is it, is it a small world in the wine world or is it just this huge space that you're constantly like meeting new people every, every time you go somewhere? You know what it's interesting is there's certainly um, events and um, tastings that cross over, but there is not a whole lot of kind of cross-pollination with producers and winemakers they're certainly friendly because when you certain when you live in a certain region obviously they're still neighbors and you kind of want to see what's out there but i think in the wine industry um it's more of the, the mindset that we're not competing against each other to kind of gain market share it's more of if people are drinking wine we all win yeah. um so i think that's one thing but certainly though where people, you know, talk and send people to other places and, and you start kind of sending your friends to different friends, uh, places and properties and kind of a different experience. But honestly, for me, it's the coolest thing because wine can be so intimidating. But when I first got into wine, it was when I was with the Dodgers, my, when I was playing and Sean Green, a former Dodger and I and our wives went to Napa and just going up there and meeting the winemakers that the, the proprietors and just hearing their stories and saying, Hey, you know, nothing about wine. That's okay. Um, whatever you like is what's most important. And we made this wine with our hands 
and don't be intimidated. And just hearing the stories of these people and they're farmers up there. And I just felt that when I was up there, you're a part of the conversation. You're not worrying about baseball. And it's funny is my wife, Trisha calls me uh, Napa Dave. <laughs> so when I'm there, I'm kind of totally present and it's fun to be present, uh, you know, away from the ballpark. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's something that I think that you're so good at. I think that, you know, you, I don't know whether it's just something you've always been good at or something that you worked on, but like the ability to, when you get to the park, be present, when you get home, whether it be with, you know, Trish or, or the kids being present there, whether it's up in Napa being present there, whether it's, you know, going down to Cabo on your trip with, you know, honey yeah. and the guys, uh, you know, that's something that, you know, I really respect about you and how you're able to, you know, you're just always, you know, lock it in and, and just engage so much in everything that you do. And that's something that I've always respected about you. No, I, I really appreciate that. And it's funny as you guys are, you know, you guys have been married for a couple of years and you're kind of, you guys, um, do so many things well together. And, and it's interesting that you said that, um, a, a mentor of mine, um, told me this a couple years ago and he said, doc, let me tell you something. He said, what got you here won't get you there. And I was like, I don't get it. And he was like, yeah, you played professional baseball, you know, you're managing now, but really to be the best version of yourself now, all the things that got you to where you were at, you're going to have to kind of put aside and kind of continue to evolve as a person. And I say this because it was like, Justin, you know, when you're playing, you're trying to get your rest and cause you're trying to perform to then provide and, and for, for your family and, and play well for the fans. And I was a stubborn person. I'm, I am still a stubborn person. And you kind of have this vision of what you want and this idea of what you think is right. And I wasn't a good listener, but to be a great parent and to be a great leader of men, a coach, a manager, in my opinion, and my mentor and people I've talked to, you can't be stubborn. You can't make things about yourself. You've got to be a better listener. You've got to be present because it's not about me anymore, you know, because the game is about the players. And I think the best people I've been around understand that and don't make it about themselves. So that's what, it, when you say that, it makes me feel, it's a, it's a huge compliment. Yeah, definitely. I think it also resonates and reflects in the coaching staff that you brought in. And um, this is one thing that I'm kind of curious about. And I, I kind of talked to Courtney about it a little bit before we got on the phone with you was, you know, when you get your first managing job, right, you, you get hired by the Dodgers and Andrew Friedman brings you in and now you have to put together your staff. How much say in the staff is coming from you? How much of it is from Andrew? Is it a mix and match? And then how much of that like coaching staff do you want to kind of reflect on your views and your opinions and the way you want to see your team run? Because honestly, I think we have hands down one of the best staffs in all of baseball. When we talk about give a shit, when we talk about putting in the time, putting in the preparation and creating the culture, I don't think there's another team that has a better staff than us. And you, you did a great job. And what's the process like in going through and building out that coaching staff the first time you, you get your major league job? Well, I, I think that for me, I, I just live life where what's in front of you, you try to be present, you try to dominate and not with the mindset of 
trying to be too opportunistic for something else. And so for me, my kind of ascension as far as a base coach, a bench coach, to then being a manager, it really wasn't like right forefront of mine to be a manager. The opportunity presented itself. Um, the interview is being asked to interview, and I interviewed for another ball club at that same point in time in the off season after the 15th season. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't the guy that had a list of coaches and this kind of Rolodex of people that I'm kind of lobbying to be a man, major league manager. So it was a process and it was actually a good experience for me to kind of go through with the front office and Andrew specifically and talking about potential candidates. And I think that what we try to do is I really believe in betting on people. And I think that, Experience certainly matters, but I think that, you know, if you've got the right person who's willing and, and as you said, gives a shit and um, cares for players, is positive, I think those things and loves to teach, those are skills that I think that you can mold a player, a coach, into something that is productive. And for me, to be honest with you, I don't, I, I'm really never the smartest guy in the room. And I love guys that have different uh, opinions and views because it really is challenging. And I definitely don't want those guys that are yes men, which we don't have. Dave, you're a Bruin. Don't sell yourself short on the intelligence side. <laughs> hey, you're, you're <laughs> right. You're right, Court. And that's our kinship, certainly one of many between you and I. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, when you talk about you know, you said I'm 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 not always the smartest guy in the room, and we do have a a lot of smart people around the game, and I I feel you on that. I I feel that way many times, uh, but what you are, and I think, you know, I'm kind of the same way. And what helps us, I think, have such a good relationship is curious, and that's something that I talked about with George last week on the podcast, and how just searching for curious players and being a curious coach and constantly wanting to learn and adapt and get information uh, to make everyone around you better. And and that's something that you talk about all the time. And you're definitely curious. And, and we have so many conversations about hitting or base running or approach or, or whatever it is. And that's another thing that, you know, I love about you. You haven't figured it all out. You don't have all the answers. You're curious and, and wanting to continue to grow every single night you, you show up at the, far, at the park. Yeah, and I think it's it's funny is, you know, I think for me is it's it's interesting when you're trying to grow individually as a person, and the people you care so much about, you know, it's just a natural organic way of the conversations that we have that spill over and your thoughts and beliefs, mine spill over to you and other players and coaches, and that's something that I just. Because for me, by nature, I'm really not that curious. Uh, my wife, Trish, is always getting on me because I'll ask a question, but there's never a follow-up and then another follow-up. And it's something I've got to really consciously try to ask questions and be curious. And I just really applaud those who do that because it, it always makes you want to grow and, and get better. And, and I talk a lot about having, you know, with the Dodgers is, the bar is high, I and mean, we all know that, but it's not just having the best players, it's having the smartest players, and a lot of the smartest people in the world are very curious, and something even for my kids that I love dearly, I encourage them to be curious and interesting, because if you can kind of check those two boxes, you know, you're going to be attractive 
to a lot of people, and and um, I think that it leads to a lot of good things. I love that you mentioned the conversation with Trisha because I feel like Justin is kind of the same way where he comes home and then there's the one question and then that might be where it ends. Wait, it's like <laughs> I give you I give you three questions about every game. Oh no, for me you mean. No, you asking oh, it'll be it. like how was your day or how was this yep. and then that's kind of where it ends, but that is true. He does give me three questions every night about the game. I usually get to 5. And I'll just <laughs> Oh, good for you. That's well you're doing you're doing a lot better than a lot of wives I'm I'm assuming. <laughs> I just it's not it's yeah I'll I'll be like was was there a bunt supposed to be on there and or was that you know was that really an error was that really this or what was this guy looking here and it's then it gets to like five or six questions I'm like okay maybe I yeah, just need I'll, to watch but, the recap and then figure it out myself no it, it, but it's it just it's but it's that weird kind of you know balancing act because obviously and I'm still trying to figure this out uh you know in my marriage because we spend so much time at the ballpark and it's almost like the last thing we want to do is revisit it. Um, but then as the wife, you know, you're in it together. And so you want to see and feel what's going on and be a part of it. And something my wife and I talk about all the time is being a we. And I think that, you know, wherever I go, I still have to be the person I am. And I think that that's where you gain the respect of people that you come in contact with or hear you or, you know, know somebody that knows you where you can kind of be that same person. So whether it's a player, a coach, a fan, media, you know, when they get me or you or you, Courtney, it's like, that's who you're getting. You know, it's like you're that same person. And when I talk about the we part of it is like wherever I go, whether it's to the ballpark or on a road trip, it's got to be that we and you and Justin do a great job of that because he's always talking about, you know, you and him together and doing things. So that's what inspires me. Yeah. That's kind of what, you know, keeps us going. And I, I give her court a hard time about asking the questions, but at the same time, I love it. You know, I love, you know, coming home and knowing that like she's into it and she's, she's feeling it and she's living it and she's hanging on to every pitch, just like, you know, we are down in the dugout and uh, it's something that, I admire about her and I know she talks to Trisha uh, a lot and, and Trisha is the same way. So uh, we're pretty lucky to have uh, better halves that, you know, give a crap about what we're doing out there. No, we, we are, we are. And, and for me, even and as a manager, I don't get to see it as much, but it, it is fun to see the wives, the, 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 the friendships that they have. And, and even Trisha's talking about the players wives. And for me, it's like, that's what the goal is because we all, you know, we're all in this Dodger family together. And so I just love it because it's not player coach, uh, you know, wife of a player, wife of a, of a coach. It's, it, we're all in it together. And for me to hear stories uh, of trips and things like that and girls going to dinner and shows in New York, it's just, it, it's fun to hear. Yeah, it's hard to kind of explain this life or anything to someone outside of it. Like, it's great to be on a road city and have a friend meet you and catch up and watch the game, but it's on such a different level when you're in it. And, you know, I'll sit at games all season with friends, but when it comes time to playoffs, I 
just want to be in the family section because like no one else can really understand that intensity and have that same level of investment that we do. No, it, it's true. And it's funny is that, you know, we have so many, and, and, and our opinions I know is like we have the best fans in the world and, and, and far none as far as sports teams. But, you know, as a fan, you just don't know how it works and what time a player has got to get to the ballpark to prepare and what a wife feels like when he, when their husband is slumping or not getting out and they've got to deal with that <laughs> their husband and, and what comes with it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's tough. And so, you know, that's what's interesting about baseball is, you know, when you're in it and when you're out of it, everyone kind of has that. We, we just get each other because we've kind of understood road trips where you're gone for 10 days and then you're back and then, you got to go again and you know, you don't have your husband for eight and a half months. And then when he, when he is home, he's still working out four, uh, four hours a day, you know, with the working out, the weights and, and the BP and all that kind of stuff. And it's just kind of our lifestyle that that's all we know. Yeah. I think for me being, you know, pretty invested and, in, you know, watching every game, I think that just makes it easier for me to support Justin. Cause you see, all the work going into it and you know I'm right there with him when he comes home and you know letting him talk about everything and I think that just makes it easier for me to support him because I see obviously how much he cares and how much is invested in every single game yeah absolutely but I I just it it amazes me how you know baseball is a very difficult game and it's all consuming but you guys have the uh, unique ability to kind of you know, go to the Dream Center and then go play a major league game and court, you're, you're out there with, with the kids and feeding people and, um, you know, doing PR and administrative stuff. It, it just, it's fascinating that, you know, Justin can be so productive and, you know, reach out so much because I think in theory, every athlete would want to do that, but they can't take away from their performance because it's, it's a lot and it's a balancing act, but you guys do a great job of spreading that needle. Yeah. We just try to, you know, whenever we get a, we get a chance, we get a little bit of time. We try to, you know, give back where we can and we're not the same as every, you know, player on the team or coach on the team in the instance that we, we don't have kids yet. So it's a little bit different for you. You have to go home and you have, you know, two kids, one in college, one in high school, and want to switch gears a little bit and get into, you know, talking about being a dad to Cole, who is a freshman at Loyola Marymount. And we touched on this a little bit last week with talking to George Lombard and and with his kids and what it's like being a, a dad who is a major league baseball coach and has a son who's coming up playing you know, in the travel ball and high school and getting recruited and then college and, you know, what, what type of, like, how did you handle that? What type of role do you take for Cole knowing that, you know, Cole's dad's the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers? Yeah, that, that was, that, that's been interesting because my father didn't play sports, you know, professionally. He was in the Marine Corps and my mom, worked um you know as i was growing up my sister and i were growing up and i didn't have that i don't know pressure expectation of of anything it was kind of just go do what you're going to do and i didn't have to be compared to anyone and so 
I can't even really speak to what my son has to go through, you know, and, you know, there's been many times that he's broken down and, you know, and I've heard it from my wife and how, you know, there's a certain expectation from people when you're, you know, the son of a professional athlete and, and now, you know, manager of a big league ball club. And that's, that's, that's a lot of pressure for, for whether you're 10, 11, 12, you're even in college, you know, and so, and for me, it's kind of trying to be supportive, but I've just got that coach in me. And I'll tell you guys, there's been many times where I've been pulled aside by my wife saying, how about just be a dad <laughs> instead <laughs> of a coach? But I think that I just fight that of I haven't been around all the time. So when I am around him for that four months in the off season, trying to teach him what I do know and watch him and, and obviously for his benefit. And I just felt that, I didn't have the time to just sit back and just be a dad. You know, you're a dad, obviously, and you love them, but it's like I'm always kind of looking for those teaching moments that both my kids and my wife make fun of me about because I'm always looking for those moments to teach them instead of just kind of sitting back and letting them make mistakes. But I think, you know, what's interesting is the quarantine that we did go through where my son was off to college and was kind of abbreviated freshman year. So he comes back home and lives back at home. And so that really gave me another chance to hear him more and not preach to him or talk at him. And so, and I really believe that that last, these last four months allowed him to kind of really grow into his own self, uh, if that makes any sense. No, definitely. And I think, I think you're right. I think it's so unfair for, for a guy like Cole or, or, or major league players, kids, you know, everyone's like, Oh, you, you know, you have it so good. You get to hang out, you get to grow up in Dodger stadium and where that's true. Yeah. That it is awesome that, you know, and Cole's always around and, and he gets to take ground balls and, and hit in the cage and, you know, it's cool messing around with them and uh, you know, going out and watching him take ground balls and seeing him grow as a baseball player. But it's also just this, pressure this added pressure that gets put on their shoulders that most kids don't have to deal with and and like you said you didn't have to deal with growing up so it's kind of like a fine line of like yeah it's awesome like I, I get to Cole gets to go to Dodger Stadium when he wants to well not this year because of this quarantine but Sorry, <laughs> because Cole. of this COVID but uh, <laughs> but he gets to go up to Dodger Stadium and he gets to you know hang around big leaguers and he gets to hit in the cage and and watch big leaguers hit and he gets to take ground balls and watch big leaguers take ground balls. So it is cool, but also it comes with this kind of like gorilla on his back that it's like, Hey, everyone knows, you know, your, your dad's a manager of the Dodgers and, and it just raises the bar of expectations. And I feel like that's, that's tough to handle, but I know knowing Cole and, and talking to him all the time, uh, I know he's in a good place and, and, and probably one of the best equipped kids to, to handle that. No, and I appreciate you saying that, but it's like when you look at kind of fundamentally, you know, us as people, you know, intrinsically, we want to be looked at as who we are as our own person. And so, you know, it, it, it it's obviously it's a compliment. He loves his father, you know, whether you're an actor, uh, a son of an actor, actress, you know, professional athlete, whatever, it doesn't matter. Any one of celebrities where, you know, you're always kind of, you know, he comes up to bad and that's kind of a lead in with who his father, what his father does. And, 
you know, and you always want to be known and accepted for who you, for your, yourself, you know, and that's something that, you know, I'm very um, aware of. And, and like you said, I think he's very equipped and there's a lot of perks, certainly. And, and he understands that. Um, but it's something that I certainly can't take for granted. And like you said, I, I just didn't have it. You didn't have it as a father. Your father, you know, was, an, was a police officer. So we didn't have that celebrity, you know, parent. Yeah. And, you know, it, it fires me up, though, being around Cole and seeing him do his thing and watching him grow and watching him work on his swing. And, you know, he sends me videos on Snapchat all the time and, uh, you know, having, having conversations with him. But, like, it fired me up in spring training knowing that he was at LMU and, you know, every day you come to the yard, I'm like, hey, man, how cold do last night? And you're like, oh, one for three with a walk, but he grinded out a bit. Like, it's just, it's really cool, I think, I mean, for me, at least personally, to like watch him grow up. And I know I, we, I keep going back to George on last week, but he sends me, you know, videos of little George and Jacob. So it, it's awesome, you know, getting to watch your guys' kids kind of like grow up and mature and see them like turn into these like stud baseball players. And, and it's fun to just root for them. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And I'll tell you a quick little story. Um, so, as he, when he was going on his recruiting trips, Jason Gill, who was a former uh, Titan from the Cal State Fullerton. Yes, sir. Go Titans. And he, he was, that's right. And he was the head coach uh, there, and now he's a head coach at SC. And, and so we were at a recruiting thing, and he said, you know one thing about, you know what I want to know about your dad and what intrigues me about your father? And then it was like, oh, no, here we go again. And he said, what intrigues me about this is that how you've handled everything to get to this point right in front of me. You know, and so that just really made his chest stick out because he got it in the sense of the expectations, what people, how people view you. And for you to overcome all that says a lot about your character. And then so at that point in time, Trish and I were like hook, line and sinker. Cole, mm -hmm. you need to go to LMU because he sees you. And for you to be seen is just so powerful. Yeah, definitely. And, and listen, Gilly is one of my favorite coaches of all time. Love playing for him at Fullerton. Uh, still stay in touch with him. And I was so pumped when Cole was going to LMU to play for him. And I was so devastated for Cole and for you, but excited for Gilly at the same time when he took the job at SC because I, I know that Cole would have just loved playing for him and, and – uh, he's he's such an unbelievable guy, family guy, coach, and and Cole would have been on cloud nine playing for Gilly. I just know that. I don't know who the new guy is. I'm sure he's he, you know he loves he loves his new coach, but man, yeah, I, I, I wish I wish I wish he could have you know spent those three years with Gilly because I know he would have right. just thrived in that program. Absolutely, absolutely. he's going to thrive anyway. But I know he would have just loved. Yeah. It. Hey, Court, how's that wine tasting? That's going down smooth, Dave. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's go back. Well, we might have to have you talk a little bit about that, Mark, but I wanted to talk about kind of how we got here. Obviously, you just wrapped up the last game of summer camp. Very yes. successful three-game little summer camp there. 3-0. and <laughs> There you go. That's how you want to do it. <laughs> Um, wanted to talk about what it looked like for you during quarantine and the downtime. I know 
you were kind of big on keeping in touch with all your players, but I know you said, you know, everyone was back home with you and everyone kind of hunkering down together. So are you, I feel like you're not someone that does well with staying at home and not being out interacting with people. <laughs> you know what? That's very fair and, and very true. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of, I, I get a little restless and, um, so I was trying to, and we did a very good job at, at adhering to uh, the protocols of quarantining. Um, so I, I will say my adult beverage consumption just exponentially grew um, through quarantine, <laughs> like many people. Um, You're a Somali now, <laughs> you know, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, so, but no, you know what? It's it's the balance where I think that I wanted to stay in touch with everyone but I wanted the players and the coaches to really uh, spend time with, with their families. Cause that, cause you know, there was a lot of, you know, whether it's, you know, no one was used to being around their families at that time of year. And so it was unique to everybody. Um, but I wanted to let people know, cause as a coach, you want to kind of be a part of things, but you don't want to force yourself in people's lives. If you know, and so I, yes, I try to stay in touch with people, but I really focus on my own family and the family dinners every night, the puzzles, the hallmarks, um, the ping pong. Um, you get in kids. on the hallmark with Trisha? Uh, yeah, we, we're into the hallmarks, the murder mysteries, it, all of it, you know. She let you in that world. Wow. That. She let me into the world. <laughs> But, you know, as, as a guy, it's like, it doesn't matter what, what, what I, I, it doesn't matter what I want to watch. She kind of drives the TV situation and I'm there and huh. I, I guess I'm like a perfect, she says I'm a perfect uh, audience because once I see something, you know, whether it's a reality show, The Bachelor, whatever, I kind of just like immerse myself in the show and I'm like commenting on things I know nothing about. Um, but it was just, a great time for family and obviously all the events that kind of followed up after the pandemic, you know, with the social uh, injustice. And then it just took it to a whole nother deeper level as far as our family. And you guys don't have kids yet where it's like, we have a 15 year old, going to be a 16 year old daughter, Emmy and Cole, my son is 19. So it was like interesting, the conversations that we had about what was going on in our country. Yeah, it was definitely, I think, kind of this perfect storm of everyone at home and being able to have this time to, you know, focus and listen and have those conversations. I think at any other time, I don't know if it would have kind of hit the same for people. No, I, I, I agree. And you said a word really that I, I just, I hope everyone who is listening, um, it, it's about listening. And, and I think that that's something that, I'm continuing to try to do a better job at, and I think that, you know, you know, with all everything, you know, the best people, the people that I admire most are the best listeners. And I think that we just all naturally feel like we want our voices to be heard. But I think those who can really listen and hear other people are the most respected and the most intelligent. Yeah, definitely. And, and I agree with you. It's about listening. It's about being educated. It's about learning. It's about knowing what's really going on, which is hard to do nowadays because there's so much 
noise from so many different angles and it's hard to decipher what is what now. So it, you, you really got to be responsible and take it upon yourself and dig into these things and find out the information on your own. And I know we talked a little bit about it today, but it's just such a crazy world with social media and what gets put out there. And we talked about how like you could get 400 positive remarks from people, but then that one negative tweet just dwells on your mind so hard and you can't just get rid of it. So it's just such a crazy time right now. It is. It is. And I think that I just don't operate that way where, you know, you guys know me really well and I know you guys really well. And you always kind of, we come from a place of trying to find the best in people, you know, and, um, you know, and, and understand that people have the right intentions, whether it's come off the right way or, you know, worded the right way on social media. Um, I, I just live in a world of trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. But I do believe that when, you know, when you're educated and, and everyone has their thoughts and views, I absolutely welcome that's what this country is built on. But, you know, certainly having an idea of what you're talking about is probably a good start. You guys brought up social media and I've thought a lot about this. We've talked a lot about it on the podcast. And for me, it's funny because I have such a battle where, you know, I'll get all these comments and everything's positive and there's one that's negative about Justin or something or me. And the way that I'll go to Justin, I'll say, oh my gosh, everyone's saying this. And he's like, everyone? I'm like, well, one person. So it's even the way that, <laughs> it's even the way you frame it when you think, like you receive that from social media. It's your, like your thinking is so wrong. You're like, well, it makes it seem like it's everyone has that opinion. It's always that the negative one seems to be, you know, the one that resonates the most. And I don't know why that is. And it's something that you know, I've tried to work on and I feel like Justin, you don't really get too caught up in the yeah, social media. Everyone, will <laughs> everyone loves him anyway. So oh, well, there's, you there's and I plenty of negative the out there. The, troll, <laughs> the trolls are out. The trolls are out. But you know what, you know what I was, I was thinking about uh, a little while ago, you know, and I say a little while, this is months ago where it would be just so cool if on social media one day, the only thing people could post is something positive and, and it would just be such a fun exercise that I know it's very unrealistic, but it would just be great to see how it would be received. And, and certainly when you look at gratitude and how grateful and posting positive things, I just think you'd be received and come off and, and that post that poster I think would benefit. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's a great idea. I don't think it's unreasonable either. I think that's something today that, is very reasonable and something that, you know, maybe, maybe we, we try it and maybe we put that into action and, and we just have one day next month in August and, and try to just make it a nothing but positive on social media just to see how it goes. I, I would be all for that. I would just love to see, you know, we take our Dodger fans and the listeners and, you know, we kind of just kind of put it together and, and get some traction, some momentum and, and let's see what happens on that day and, and how it's received. I think it would be amazing. Yeah, momentum. That's what you need on social media. It's, some, it's momentum and momentum builds and more and more people see it. And, we, and like you said earlier, we have the best fans in the world and, and such a great fan base. 
And it's a huge fan base. It's not just in LA. It's not just in this country. It's all over the world. So I think that's something that maybe we should consider doing and, and talk about. And, you know, maybe we can do some good at, at least for one day on social media. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you guys heard it here first on Holden that's right. Court. That's the right. Plans, the plans you make after a bottle of wine, you know, you just start talking all these big ideas. Yeah. We need to do this more often. So, so the, I guess the takeaway here is the bottle of wine in the dugout, and where I, where I, where I sit in the dugout, I, I need my margarita, and then so the world, we can change the world and win baseball games. There you go. Court wants, to, Court wants you to share your secret margarita recipe with the, the listeners, because you, oh. you got a little bit of a, a secret ingredient I know that you're sitting on, and, and I think you need to share it. So I, I need the listeners to be open here. So, okay, obviously you need a great tequila. So my tequila of choice is the Blanco Casamigos. So I've got that. And then I've got, so I've got a cup of that. And then a I've got a. Of that. <laughs> not just one, not just one shot. It's a whole cup. <laughs> Did I say cup? Oh, uh, I think maybe my wife's going to listen. So yeah, I meant a shot. Hey, Sorry, hey, we just finished summer camp. Dr- summer camp. Drink a whole cup. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But this is for from uh, a couple few servings. How about that? This is for me and my. There we go. It's in the it's in the shaker. Alone. It's in the shaker. That's, that's right. <laughs> so it's the tequila, and I'm not now, Courtney. I'm not giving you the amount of serving. It's tequila. <laughs> <laughs> it's simple syrup. It's uh, it's fresh limes, fresh squeezed limes. It's Cointreau. You could also use Grand Marnier, but I don't. I like the Cointreau, the fruitiness of it. Yeah. And then the last part of it is a teaspoon of egg white. And so you're putting this into the blender. You put it all into the blender, and then you put that teaspoon in the blender, and you only blend it for like seven seconds, so you get the froth. And then now you you uh, rim the glass with the lime. And then you uh, you have the tahini. The tahini is another added uh, choice. It's a little uh, Mexican spice, but not spicy. It's just kind of very flavorful. You rim the glass with the tahini, turn it back up, put the ice in the glass, and then you pour the uh, the blender, the stuff that the, obviously the, the margarita mix, into the glass. And now you put your garnish with the lime, the, the sliver of lime, and you have your drink. So. There's a little bit of froth. It's fantastic. I believe you. And and so, just so you know, Brad Nelson is a listener of the show, and he is our. I love Brad. He's our resident bartender down in the dugout club. And whenever we get this thing back to looking normal, and we get some fans coming in, maybe we can get Brad to create the Dave Roberts margarita down in the dugout club, and you can stop by. And get your little bit of egg white blended for seven seconds with the tahini on the rim of the glass. That would be amazing. Wow. Do you think I, Brad I will pull it. that off? The I egg whites Brad is will, a challenge. It's a challenge and it's different, but I'm, I'm asking you guys and our listeners to be open-minded and, and give it a shot. I'm down. I'm, I'm going to try it. Not tonight. Because I'm on the yeah, red, I'm right. on the Red Stitch wine by Dave Roberts. <laughs> so You're on the Red Stitch kick tonight, and that's that. You can't go wrong with that either. We got to keep plugging that wine, man. We're gonna sell at least one case tonight. Okay, perfect. Redstitchwine.com. There we go. Redstitchwine.com. It's good. If I see a drink on a menu that has egg whites in it, I don't 
maybe it's the protein, but I'm going for it. No, go for it. No, I normally do. So this is intriguing to see it in a margarita. I don't think I've had it. Yeah, I've never seen it. I'm telling you because as many times as you guys go down to Mexico and I was at your wedding and we had plenty of our fair share of margaritas and tequila, but I didn't have one with egg white. And it's just, it's, it's different, but it's not different bad. It's different amazing. I'm into it. I'm into it. That We're going to try it. Maybe that'll be my opening day cocktail on my couch this year. <laughs> Pitch one. Yeah. I know. Unfortunately, Court said it, it's not going to be with your amazing seats watching uh, your husband uh, beat up on the Giants. So it's going to be different, you know, but I, but I will say this, though, is that it's going to be different because obviously in the sense of you can't go to the ballpark, but I think that there's going to be um, players at times, coaches at times, being mic'd up more, it's going to add a little different element. And hopefully fans will get more of a backstory on players and learn more about them. Um, and obviously we have the best broadcasters in the business for me, uh, Joe Davis and Orr Hershiser. Um, so hearing them and seeing them, I, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting, but certainly not like, you know, Dodger Stadium. This is the difference because you look at it as we're going to get this enhanced experience. And I look at it as a shorter season, more intense games, more anxiety for me, sitting on my couch, feeling removed from everything. (laughs) (laughs) You're more right. I'm trying to spin it, but you're absolutely right. (laughs) (laughs) I just, yeah, I feel like. 60 games it's maybe it's better I'm on my couch sitting at home because there's been some games in the past where I wished I was sitting on my couch by myself alone with my feelings and so maybe this is maybe this might be a good thing because everything's obviously going to be more condensed and everything every game obviously means more I feel I mean you kind of have oh it absolutely does it absolutely does it no, it does. And Courtney, you run marathons and, and it's like in baseball, you hear it. It's like, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. That's what we hear. And until you get to the break, the all-star break, it's, we have plenty of time and, and it's still early. And that's something that you're not going to hear that this year. And I just don't, for me, you and I, we're, we're talking and full disclosure. Yeah. It's, there's an, in, there's inconveniences. Uh, it's different. It's only 60 games. There's added pressure. But I think that in my position, I don't have the luxury to frame it that way to our guys, you know, because yeah. there's just no upside in talking about things that everyone outside of our organization are talking about as far as on the negative side and poking holes in what our world is right now or the negative things that could come from playing or possibilities of things that might happen that are out of our control. So that going to that space doesn't help the Dodgers in 2020. So that's kind of the way I kind of look at things. I'm going to keep my tequila cup half full on this one. Mike. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I agree. It's and even going through everything and Justin, obviously being the union rep and being on, hours and hours and calls. And I was kind of like, whatever it looks like we're in. And if it means, you know, I'm not allowed to be at games and however many games you guys get to play, whatever it looks like, I think we need it. And so I am grateful. And I think it's going to be insane. I feel like 
the games watching them even on TV kind of have this like old school, like Sandlot kind of feel where it's just purely baseball. You know, there's no outside stuff happening, you know, not all these like, I don't know, big things happening around. It's just a game. It's just guys there playing. And so I think it's really kind of stripping it down. And I think it will be cool to kind of have that more in-depth look with, you know, more guys being mic'd up and, you know, more time to talk about everything. So no, I'm on board. I love that. <laughs> I, I, no, I love that. But I'll tell you this, that kind of dovetails into something else where I don't know if you guys have shared this before, um, uh, you know, on the, on the show is players aren't, you know, I'm, I at times when we have an off day and I'm in San Diego and we're going to go play the Giants after an off day, I'll stay at home and join the team. And, you know, we've all committed as a team that no one's going to be flying commercial. And that's like one of those things that it's a sacrifice that we're making. And, you know, I would love to be at home an extra night to fly commercial to meet the team or, I mean, Cordy, I know you're on road trips and there's sacrifice that we're all making for this 60 game sprint. So that's like kind of a little bit of insight for fans that, you know, and this is not a pity party by any means, but just kind of opening up the kimono, just kind of what we're kind of doing to try to be socially responsible. Yeah. There is a lot of responsibility that comes with it and it's, more than just going out and playing and, you know, getting tested every other day. It's the choices that, you know, every single guy has to make when they're off the field. I feel like at the field is probably one of the safest places we could possibly be. It's when we go home and the decisions we make and the decisions our wives make or family members make, you know, being responsible and, and then not letting us get it from them making a poor choice and then bringing it back to the stadium and giving it to someone else. That's what's going to kind of keep the game moving and, and let the 60 game sprint happen. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, early on with the intake, intake testing, you know, there were some positives. um, and, And this is, I think you and I were talking about this offline where it's like, you know, people want to look at, Oh, baseball players are testing positive. But these are people that have come out of quarantine and the intake, and they're being sent to quarantine again. But the people that have passed the intake testing, you know, after that point, the positive test has been minimal, you know. And and so that's just a credit to the people in the industry, you know, medical staff included, and really giving them high praise that they're kind of showing us the way and the players, coaches, and staff, everybody listening and adhering to all those protocols. Yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head, like, and we talked about this, like you said, offline. It's like everyone, we talk about how many players have tested positive or whatnot on this intake, and it, it looks like, oh, because Major League Baseball players are coming to camp, to coming to summer camp, they're contracting this virus and they're testing positive, when that's not the reality. The reality is they contracted this virus before they came to the camp. And when they got to camp, then they were testing positive. So I think as a whole, as a group, major league baseball players, I, I want to applaud them so far, so far, so good. Uh, again, we haven't started the season yet and there's going to be a lot of difficulties and travel and, and responsibility that we all need to take upon ourselves. But so far to this point, I'm extremely proud of, all of our players and coaches for all the sacrifices they've made up to this point. 
I, I am too. And, and it's like, you know, we're all, you know, in competition, but it kind of, you are one of the original thought, talks that we had tonight was about the wine. And I referenced if, if, uh, as winemakers, if, if anyone's drinking wine, that's a good thing. And it's kind of like this in the sense of, you know, if one team goes down and it's irresponsible, that affects our entire game. Mm-hmm. So for you to reach out and applaud everyone, yeah, because we're all competing, you know, as teams, but we need all 30 teams to make this season complete. So, you know, let's win it on the field as opposed to win by default, which ultimately we all lose. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we have to do it as 30 teams, everyone in it together staff trainers strength coaches players everyone just begging you to be responsible make some difficult choices it's only three months for us three months um some other teams maybe only two months but um it's 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 just a couple (laughs) months to make those sacrifices and you know i i I think it's it's doable and we're doing a good job we just got to continue on this trend yeah and i think that you know to Courtney's thought earlier is it's going to be different, but I do see some, some opportunities, some upside where I know there's going to be great stories this year where families are getting their popcorn. They're making their hot dogs on the grill and they're going to tune into the Dodgers. And, you know, you're getting families that now they're going to be hanging out watching you hit homers and make great plays and the Dodgers win and I just think that this is to look at things as an opportunity is, is such a good way to look at it because, you know, these families, the next year, they're not going to be quarantined and, and things aren't going to be closed down where the kids are going to kind of be out doing their own thing. And yes, they're going to get, hopefully we get an opportunity to come back to Dodger stadium. And I'm not saying that that's not the ultimate goal. That is the goal. But I still think that looking at this situation this year, where families will have the family dinners and having the Dodgers on while they're eating dinner isn't going to be the worst thing. Yeah, it's actually kind of, I mean, for this this pandemic to happen uh, and the Dodgers to finally get uh, the contracts to be on every single person in the city's TV Doesn't this year. Doesn't that sound great? That is music to my ear. You just said every TV in yes. Los Angeles, greater Los Angeles. If there's a silver lining in this thing, that is it. Like every single Dodger fan, young kids are going to get to watch, you know, Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts sure. take the field every single day where, you know, that wasn't the case for the last five years. You know, we have, right. we have superstars, Clayton Kershaw, you know, Kenley Jansen, Cody Bellinger, uh, Corey Seager. We have all these guys and they're not even household names in our own city because people weren't able to watch and now they finally are able to see every single game. And I can't wait to see what, you know, what the response is from our, from our entire fan base, instead of just whatever the number of 30 or 40% of them or the people who are fortunate enough to have the money to afford to be able to come to a game. It's going to be so cool to play in front of the entire city of Los Angeles this year. It is. And I think that that's the way that we have to look at it. And it's funny as, I get, I get asked this question all the time in the sense of I know it's different and how are the players going to be motivated? We're playing, we're playing for millions of Dodger fans. 
you know, yeah. and yeah, they're, they're not at the ballpark, but we get the, the gravity of this and, and the responsibility and being a professional and playing to win. But there's millions of fans that are going to be watching us every single night. And the cardboard cutouts. Oh, hey, so you got your cardboard cutout? You know, I thought Justin would order one and plop me up there in the family section or the dugout club bar, but he hasn't ordered one for me yet. <laughs> Time out, yeah, Doc. Because Courtney, Time out. I haven't seen yours yet. Hey, I, know. I, I might be breaking some news that I might not supposed to be Uh-oh. breaking, but I heard a little rumor that the Dodgers are going to let fans buy cardboard cutouts for their dogs. So I'm waiting for those dog cardboard cutouts to go up so I can buy one for our dog and Courtney and put them together in a seat. Aww. I love that. See, there you go, Courtney. <laughs> wow. See, but I love that. So we do got to talk to the Dodgers because I think that, I mean, I have, guys, I have three dogs, Maury, Maggie, uh, Rescue, and uh, a King Cavalier uh, Sunday. And so they're family. And so I love the idea of having cardboard cutouts of, of pets too. That's amazing. So are you are you getting are you ordering three of them then? That's like nine hundred dollars well, right there. <laughs> hey, if that's okay, I'm in. I, I, I'm all for it. That'll be Maggie and Maury and Sunday's first oppor- first and only opportunity to go to Dodger Stadium. So I'm in. Amazing. Put them in Johnny Lopez's seat right above the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. I might, I might sit my dogs right next to Mary Hart or something like that. I don't know. I there did. Yeah, she has an empty seat. All right. Now that the wine is through the system, let's get into some of the the juice. <laughs> let's Uh-oh. do it. Not the juice. Do it. Not the juice Uh-oh. like that, but the juice. Um, Justin and I were actually talking today because I guess it kind of falls in line with the social media stuff. And obviously, I don't think you have a Twitter, so you don't really go on there. I don't know. I asked Andrew Friedman if he has a fake Twitter, and he won't tell me the truth. So maybe you have kind of like a ghost Twitter where you can go on there and creep. But I guess I it, might. <laughs> I guess it goes kind of in line with that. We were talking, you know, with your decisions. And like if you make a decision to, let's say, put a pitcher into a certain spot and yep. it works out the credit kind of goes to the player, but sure. if it doesn't work out tends to maybe fall back on the manager. Like, Oh, why did he put that guy in that spot? Or, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So I guess, I don't know, like what, like, does that I feel like yeah. you're someone that it doesn't really bother. Like you kind of trust and like you thought that was the best guy for the spot. So I guess it maybe doesn't really rattle you, but like, what does that feel like? I'll tell you, um, you know, it, it, it I, I don't get on that because I think it's a rabbit hole that for me um, won't end well. And um, I love what I do. Um, It's certainly challenging. That part of it is probably the hardest thing. And and I'll tell you guys this um, on the show. The the toughest thing was getting booed at home in the World Series. Um, You know, that's hard. Uh, and I think for anybody, and, and this is, you know, it's part of my job and you've got to be accountable to decisions. And, and part of it is you've got to take the brunt of things and, and that's okay. Um, but it doesn't make it easier um, because there's a process and I understand it's, it's a result based game. And when you're managing the Dodgers and I hear it every day, it's, it's world series or bust. 
And um, the, this organization hasn't won the World Series since 1988, albeit I've been here for four years, um, but we haven't won it since 1988. So I understand the angst uh, and the frustration with fans. So um, certainly to have that expectation, it's better to not have the expectation. And like I said earlier, we have the best fans in all of sports. Um, but certainly, yeah, to get booed at home um, for something that didn't work out, that you felt that you had all the confidence in the player and it just didn't work out. I feel for the player. I feel for the team, the organization, the fans. Um, but that's kind of what I signed up for, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but you hit it on the head. Like, you have all the confidence in the world in the player you're putting in that spot. And, uh, like, for myself, for example, if, if – you know, I go up there and go over five and strike out five times. Like, I don't blame you for hitting me in the three hole. You know, like I, I sucked. Yeah. It was my fault. Like, it's not your fault for penciling me in there. I didn't do my job. And it's kind of an unfair shake in, in my opinion. I, I don't really love that. I know we have amazing fans and they want to win and they're, they're, they're just grasping for that championship. And it's been a long time, but I don't, I, I don't know if they quite understand, you know, the just trust that you have in every single guy in every single spot. And it's so easy to just look back and say, Oh, well you should have done this or you should have done that, or you should have done this. And uh, that part of it, you know, I think just sucks. And, and I'm not a manager. I haven't managed, but like thinking about your position and your role and the decisions that you have to make, like that part of it for me is just not fair. Yeah. And, and it, it's funny because I think that, you know, before I got this job, I was a former player with the Dodgers, and I think my approval rating was higher. <laughs> but, you know, when you become a manager, I think it's inevitable. If you don't win a championship, then your approval rating is going to go down. And, and Courtney, you nailed it. You know, when things do go right, you know, it, it's forgotten, it's lost, and, and you're moving on. But I think that it's just a skeptical, cynical, unfortunately, you know, people live in a world but it's not everybody. You know, I, I do believe the majority sees it in the right way um, and understanding that, I mean, gosh, I lose sleep, you know, every night if, uh, you know, if you're struggling or if something happens, doesn't ask you to pitch and we lose a game or we lose and, you know, I'm second-guessing things and, and believe in my process and what we're trying to do and, Sometimes it doesn't work out. That's the beauty of the game of baseball, you know, um, and that's what fans love, and, and that's a good thing. So I, I definitely stand by the fact that, you know, our fans are knowledgeable. They, they want nothing more than a championship, and I think, Justin, it's more of, you know, when I first – and I've had this from a lot of people that have asked me about managing, and I think that one of the things I encourage people to – uh, hear me on is don't take criticism and things personal. Yeah. And I think that that's the hard thing that, you know, to be, you know, transparent is like, it gets hard because I think human nature that's, you know, but you, you just can't take it personal because you still got to appreciate the passion that, that fans do have. Yeah. I guess that's the luxury we have. We have such great fans that are engaged and do want to win and are passionate that, you know, they do boo. We could be in a, in a city, in a place where they don't care and they don't show up and they don't make That's noise right. or, or they don't boo or cheer regardless of what happens. So 
uh, I, I guess you're right. And I, I, that's a great point. Like we have unbelievable passionate fans who show up day in and day out and, and they care, they give a shit just like all of us. And, um, they want a championship just as bad as we do. Yeah. And the thing is, is that, you know, I, I can recall many times where a player, um, might not have hit a home run in April for it's almost like his whole career. And fans are telling me. Are you <laughs> on Wikipedia, tell- Dave? <laughs> exactly. Oh, believe me, I hear it. And fans are telling me, don't don't play this redheaded third baseman in April. Hey, the best part or, about this 60-game season, there's no April, Doc. That's right. <laughs> I love you for saying that. No, but seriously, it's like there's other players that struggle in that baseball. I played the game. The game is hard. But for me, um, I, I just I, I can't lose the credibility with the player that I got to stick with them. And I think that, you know, after Pedro Baez struggles for a while, and then he is dominant for four months of the season. And it's like, yeah, that gets lost. But I don't ever want it to get lost because the player will always remember that I had his back. And, and when you're wearing a uniform, you're a coach or a manager, you know, because as a former player myself, that's important. And I can't play to the narrative that I hear. And I, I just kind of, I can't do that because that's just not fair to the player because the game's difficult. Yeah, for sure. And I've been in the, and I've been in those shoes and there's been plenty of players that have been in those shoes. You look at, you know, Joe Ke- Kelly last year who had a sure. rough there's another first one. month there's and another. a half, two months. And then he was probably one of the best relievers in all of baseball for the last four months four months of the season. So that's right. There's something to be said to, you know, showing confidence in your guys and keep running them back out there and keep supporting them no matter what is happening in the stands or what's happening on social media. And, you know, that's how we have the culture and the clubhouse and the respect that everyone has for each other, because, you know, we know, what it takes day in and day out and how hard this game is and how hard it is to be successful at this game. And we love the fact that, you know, you continue to believe in us and you continue to run us out there. And I remember, I think it was two, three years ago, I was hitting 200 or something through the first month and a half of the season. And and I'm asking you like, Hey doc, like, why are you still running me out there in the three hole? Like I'm hitting 200. You asked me that. I'm like, dude, like you're not going to hurt my feelings if you move me down in the lineup. And, and you were like, dude, I don't, I'm not worried about you. Like, I'm going to keep running you out there. You're going to be just fine. And just that like boat of confidence, that support, knowing that, you know, I'm still grinding and trying to take good at bats and, you know, you, my manager, still sees it. it. It goes a long way, and and it's so it's so awesome in the long run and in the big picture. And you know that's just another thing I love about playing for you. Yeah, and, and thank you very much. And I'll tell you this: is that one thing that I wish fans could see is how great our guys are. You know, and, and it, it's I I know that. You know, with with the Dodgers, we do a lot of things, you know, inside. But it's like to see guys interact and to see how much guys pull for one another and to, to see the banter in the batting cage, those are good things. And it's like that's the thing is that when you see, you know, A.J. Pollock or Cody Bellinger or Kike or yourself or whoever, it doesn't matter, Jock, 
when they're struggling and how much time them and the hitting coaches are watching video and trying to figure it out that, you know, they're not just rolling out a no for four and okay with it. You know, there's a lot that goes into trying to right the ship. And so that, again, that's the great thing about fans and sports, you know, not just baseball, but it's basketball, it's golf, it's football. Um, you know, I'm yelling at the TV all the time when I'm watching football, and, and that's a part of it. You know, it, it, it's third and three, and you're going to run a dive play up the middle. I don't get that. That doesn't make sense. But hey, you got to win that, that fantasy football championship. So. There, yeah, that's right. I need my receiver to get some catches. But, no, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's all a part of it. So it just kind of goes back to my whole thing is you can't take things personal. So does that look different this year, like your patience with a player or a pitcher maybe that's struggling in a shorter season, or do you still kind of have that trust in everyone that they're going out there and performing to the best of their ability? That's a good question, Courtney, and I'll say this is, you know, it's kind of two separate buckets, pitching and hitting for me. Um, Typically for the hitter, you give them 100 at bats and you kind of see how it is, and it's a sample of, you know, a month, a full four or five weeks and you see where the player's at. So now if you cut the season into 60 games, you're looking at a smaller, you know, sample potential. Um, a, a lot of it though, I, I go by my eyes and whether it's on the pitching side, the hitting side, if a guy's making good pitches and he's getting bad luck, there's some flares, guys don't make plays and he's giving up runs. I'll bet on, the execution, the stuff, um, and, and the same thing with the hitting. You know, you're, you're taking good at bats, you're getting your walks, you're, you're um, hitting the ball hard, and I, I really don't care, Courtney. You know, when, it, when it's ERA or batting average, I really don't care for that because I just believe in process and how the process, the, the, uh, the at-bat quality, um, I'll bet on the production. So, it's kind of interesting that question because I think that people and we're going to start this season on Thursday and there's going to be a pitcher that gives up a couple runs early, a hitter that, you know, starts off one for 17 and they're going to be calling for that hitter to be on the bench. And for me, it's more about watching and seeing how guys are doing rather than just the results. And I understand with that, the results matter, but that one for 17 with good quality at that will translate into production in my opinion. Yeah, a hundred percent. And something that I would like to point out to the people listening is it's so easy to get caught up in an ERA and it's so easy to get caught up in a batting average. But one thing that we do as an organization and you kind of just touched on it is we look at the process and we look at, the quality of at bat or the quality of pitches made. And there's a lot of variables that go into that, but it's not just about batting average. And it's so easy for the average fan or or any fan to come in and look up at a scoreboard and they see the batting average up there, but there's so much more information to, you know, than just looking at the batting average. There's, there's the number of pitches scenes, the decision-making staying in the zone, not chasing, uh, quality of contact as far as a hitter standpoint. And that's something that we as the Dodgers take into consideration. And 
I hope that our guys all understand that, that it's not just about a batting average. I hope they understand, and this is why Brownie and, and Rob Van Skoyich are hitting guys and Aaron Bates. They come up with these, you know, little systems where they keep track of the process and decision-making and the outcome and keep score. And, and I hope the fans understand that there's more to it than just a batting average or an ERA. There's, there's the quality of the pitch. There's the quality of an at-bat that is really what makes our team go. It's not just the end result. Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely right. Because, you know, you know, Kenley can come in a game and, you know, give up a couple flares. And there was a 3-2 pitch that was a strike but was balled. And you can look back and say that was a strike. And, you know, there's a flare and, and something happens. But, and he blows a save. That outing could have been completely different. But for me, in my eyes, he was throwing the baseball well. And so I, I just can't get caught up in the result. And, and I think that that's where I have to kind of really check myself a lot of times too, you know, and, and make sure I'm diligent with that. Um, and a player where, you know, you line out a couple times and there's a bad call and then you have a bad at bad, but three of the bats were good. Whereas a player goes home to his wife, Courtney, and might say, man, I suck tonight. I didn't get any hits. Where you have to kind of peel back a layer and and encourage the player because that's gonna you can't let that lead into the next night. Don't put and an overnight out there, Dave. No, I, I hear you. But your husband doesn't have any overnights. But the thing is, oh, okay, he'll do. find a way to get a he'll find a way to get along. But or, or hit or hit by a pitch, you know. Or hit by a pitch where you stand right on top of the plate. So yeah, exactly. And yeah, I'll tell you, I don't Courtney, walk a lot. Time, I don't walk a lot, so I got to get hit by some pitches. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm just happy you have a bunch of armor uh, on your body, which makes me. <laughs> I know he looks like uh, the Michelin Man better. this year with all of his gear on. Hey, bring hard. it on! I got no problem with that. Protect him. Yeah, bubble um, wrap. But, but that's the thing, though, is that then it's like, hey, you're still doing well because what happens? It and I lived it. You know where. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be 0 for 7, 0 for 8, but you had good at bats. And the next thing you know, you're 1 for 17 because you think that 0 for 8 was a bad 0 for 8, where actually you're doing exactly what you need to do. And then you start getting into bad habits and and bad things, so in mechanics and all that stuff. So that's where I think the manager, the coaches, and and Justin, you mentioned our hitting coaches, where they kind of are very even-keeled. And I get it. People want me to be Tommy Lasorda and yell, and I just don't feel that, you know, as a manager, I think that the people that I respect are are more consistent with their demeanor, and I think that that kind of leads to consistency. Um, So that's just kind of, I just believe, and that's the way our organization, you know, works and thrives. Well, you mentioned your calm demeanor, which obviously everyone respects, but you do have a couple, I think four ejections as a manager. Do you have a, a greatest ejection of all time that you can share? <laughs> I think I have an idea of what well, it's going to be. <laughs> I think you have an idea that's like, so um, the listeners that I'm sure they all know, um, yes, I, I don't get ejected very often. I do like staying in the game and I certainly get on umpires plenty, as, as Justin can uh, attest to. But there was an incident in San Diego um, where I was coming to the defense of Alex Wood. And um, 
So there was a little kind of back and forth, and, and I got a little uh, out of character, of course. And Courtney's losing it laughing right now, by the <laughs> oh, way. She's like dying she laughing. She <laughs> kind of trolled me and I took the bait. That's, I get it. I get it. That's okay. This is why the it's next her, time we do this, we have to do show. it in person. The, the next time we do this, we have to do it in person because she's like Well, then I'll hysterical. have my hands around her neck. <laughs> but this is Courtney's show. She can do whatever she pleases. That's right. uh, but, it, but what is funny, though, is that I got ejected from this kind of almost fight with the, the Padres manager. And... Um, my wife was that Andy Green. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Courtney. You're great. So um, Trisha was at book club, and I guess her phone was blowing up, and she's like, "What is going on?" And she finds out that I'm ejected. So as I get ejected, it was great to speak to the clubhouse guys. I had a bottle of wine on my desk in the visiting clubhouse, and. Uh, I'm talking to my wife who was then at book club and I had to look my daughter in the face who at that time was like 11 and she was not happy with dad because <laughs> apparently she's a pretty good lip reader. Oh, and I'm, right. ass- I'm assuming Andy didn't send that bottle of wine over. <laughs> that wasn't from the other uh, clubhouse, Justin. Oh, I was going to so ask what you, you for bringing that up. I was going to ask what you do when a manager gets ejected from a game. If like what your if there's any rules or you just go hang in your office. You drink or, wine and watch the game on TV I, in your in your I office. Drink, I drink wine and, and uh, hang out. But I will say this is that you mentioned earlier that you you watch you watch the game and obviously you watch baseball games uh, from home. So the next night I got suspended. And I, we were in San Diego, so I had actually the luxury of watching the game from my home. So, because um, I couldn't be in the ballpark, so that was a really surreal feeling that I don't ever want to revisit. But yeah, I was watching the game, and Bob Guerin was the manager, and watching from home and seeing our guys, uh, you know, play a game was was very difficult for me. <laughs> Umpire Bob G, holding it down. Yeah, uh, but hey, Bob Guerin didn't do a great job in summer camp as an umpire. Not hey, for Justin. Well, his zone was a little, uh, little. No, tough but it, you, you might what, be a little biased there. It's hard. You. It's hard. Being an umpire is hard. No, I like know. I have a, I have a, I didn't always have this, but I have a respect for umpires and and a realization of how hard it is to do that. And I have a, a respect for Bob Guerin for going back there and the conversations we've had about how hard it is to call balls and strikes. Uh, he actually did a, he did a good job. No, he, and I think he, he loved it. No, he, he absolutely loved it. He volunteered. He initiated the conversation. So actually summer camp for me, it was so much fun. I mean, Bob Guerin being a man, being the umpire, uh, obviously Chico with just trending on Twitter, blowing up. We have a clubhouse attendant. He's been with the Dodgers, I think, for eight, ten years. And so to play left field, Rob Mookie Betts doubles up. Gavin Lux throws out Chris Taylor, trying to tag up. So there were so many good things that actually kind of was a nice diversion, uh, you know, to go along with summer camp. When you laid your head on your pillow every night, were you able to sleep soundly knowing you didn't give Chico an at-bat in summer camp? <laughs> I, you know what? And And – Thank goodness I didn't go on social media. I'm sure I got buried for that too. But and your husband didn't help the situation. What are you talking uh, about? With those uh, hashtag <laughs> let Chico hit. I get it. 
And and you know what's funny, Courtney, is that all these shirts that go in the clubhouse, that typically they make their way to the manager's office, but ironically, the let Chico hit uh, didn't make it to my office. That was a so, one. Of, that was a one of one. I was the only one that had that shirt. I made that one. Okay. Court actually okay, made it. it. Court made okay. it right here in our living room. She got the okay. iron little press out and and made it. Yeah, that was so. Um, okay, so I get that now. <laughs> but no, you know what? We have guys. I, I I just think there's again there's a balance where it's like I love Chico and I wanted him. He would help, actually helped us. Um, but to have him taking it bad against the guy, I just didn't want to. We're getting ready for a big league season. I didn't want to kind of. I yeah. love levity, but in comedy, but that might have been a little bit too much for me. Yeah, he didn't really want it either. Honestly, like I've t- I talked to him about it. Had a serious uh, I had right. a serious conversation. He's like, "No, dude, I haven't I haven't seen a pitch in I don't know how long." Like, "No, I don't want it." And I was like, "Yeah, I get it. I'm still going to push yeah. for it." I saw I'm still going to push for it, but No, and that's okay. <laughs> I, I get it. But the last thing I need is a guy that I'm saying, "Hey, you're on the opening day roster. I need you to get out uh Brandon Belt or Brandon Crawford, but Chico just lined a base hit to right field against you." Oh, I didn't even think about that. That would have just made the that would have made the legend of Chico even bigger though. Just just saying. I agree with that, which is great for Chico, but it might not help the Dodgers win a baseball game. So I'm all in for helping the Dodgers win baseball games. True, but I mean he really is an all star. He he was catching bullpens. He was catching bullpens. He's power shagging. He's doing his duties in the clubhouse. He's playing left field. He's making web gems. He's just I mean, all of our guys are so good. All of our guys in the clubhouse are unbelievable and uh I'm, I'm glad he's getting some recognition and 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 a little bit of love uh, I, I i wish all of them could get the same amount of love that he gets because they're all worthy of it no and and i agree and i'll tell you this uh again for the listeners obviously is you know in in our organization there's a lot of people that are working from home um to kind of where where the normal is going to be different you know uh, obviously, the traffic's different because people are working from home. The model for businesses are going to be different. But the people that are showing up every day um, are doing more. And that, for me, is just I'm very proud of the fact that trainers are doing more. Clubhouse attendants are doing more. Uh, medical staff, coaches, front office, like everyone's doing more um, to pick everyone up. And, and I think that that's that encourages me and you know just that servant mentality and and no one you know exemplifies that more than than chico definitely i love that you know everything is going to kind of look different and i know i've looked a little through the rules with justin and obviously you know no high fives no spitting all of that i know for you i feel like you're i don't know you're such like a I mean, I've seen you in a tender embrace with Justin more than one time, but I feel like you're such a hands, <laughs> you're such a like hands-on manager I, I'm a, that I'm a touchy guy. I'm a touchy guy. Yeah, I like, am. is this going to be hard for you to? I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I obviously don't know what the actual rules are and all that, but is this going to be kind of challenging for you this season? So here's what we're going to do: is I've heard that there's going to be potential fines, and I do know myself and. I just like to put my hands, you know, 
and support guys, you know, whether it's a fist bump, a handshake, a pat on the back, or in Jess's case, a pat on the backside. Seen it. Um, well, you've seen it. <laughs> and so what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back on Holden Court after we win a championship, and I'm going to give you my tally, my uh, fine tally, because I've heard we're going to get fined. Are they really going to so fine us? I, I've heard that. I don't know if it's true, but I'm willing to pay X to pat Justin on the backside for a three-run homer that helps the Dodgers win a baseball game. That's going to be so hard, man. I just It is because it's just like when you're in the moment, you don't think about that. I see success from our players, and I want to let them know that I know it. I, I'm in it with you. And so, so yeah. yeah, I just can't. I just can't live in the world of. The air fist bumps, the air high fives, the air. It's just not the same. You know. It doesn't hit the same. Or throwing the ball it, around it after a strikeout kind of thing. Like that's oh, no, we're, I, we're I throwing know. the ball around. That's just suggested. They just suggested. That's suggested. And, and I like the throwing the ball around. I think that's the rhythm of the game. And, yeah. you know, and, and part, and I don't know if it's going to be received the right way or the wrong way, but, you know, if we're going to do this, you know, you still have to play baseball. And, mm-hmm. and not to say that throwing the ball around the horn is baseball, but it's kind of, it gets the pitcher ready for the next hitter as he's thinking about that. Yeah, definitely. And it kind of, yeah. and it's part of, I, I, I don't mind that. I like that. Um, so it just didn't make if, sense to me, doc. Like we can go out in between innings and the first baseman can roll a ground ball to the second baseman and he throws it back to him. He rolls a ground ball to shortstop. He throws it back to him. He rolls a ground ball to third base. And then we do it all over again, three or four times, but we can't throw a baseball around. Like, that part of it doesn't make sense. I get it. We want to be safe. We want to take precautions. But, like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but I the thing know. is, though, Justin, is, like, that's the thing, JT, is that if you're going to allow one thing and, and it's similar to the other thing, I, I think that, unfortunately, where, again, we've kind of gone full circle where there's just kind of the cynicism in the sense that logic, common sense should, should matter. And if you're going to do one thing that is exactly the same thing as throwing the ball around the horn and one is accepted, but one's not, that just doesn't make sense. But I think that there's people that want to poke holes in something that really shouldn't be kind of messed with, but you know, we'll see. And, and, you know, to the throwing the ball around the horn, I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we're doing it. We've been doing it and, Great. I don't know. None of the umpires have said. I, I feel like the umpires are going to be the ones that are supposed to be enforcing this, but they're they're like big on common sense too. From you know the guys that I've talked to so far, so we'll see what happens. I, I get it. I want to. I I'm on board with taking every precaution we possibly can to make sure we get this entire season in, and we don't have to stop it at any point. Um, so if that's what we got to do, I'll do it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'll do it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Doc, I feel like we can talk to you for hours and hours, but we're going on. You, congratulations, you're officially the longest <laughs> guest we've ever had on this podcast. Your plaque, I made it? Your plaque yeah. will be in the mail. Goal. You're at the top of the and charts. I've got, a little bit, I've got a little bit of margarita left, too. So, uh, perfect. <laughs> we're out of wine. We're, our we, bottle's done. We just finished our bottle of wine. You only have a little margarita left. So I think this is a good spot to call it a night. And maybe we 
we plan a little bit further down the road when we can do this thing in person, we have you back on and, and share some more stories. I know you're fairly committed to the Joe and Oral podcast, my competitor. So I don't know if you have any <laughs> no, restrictions she, she, with them. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. But again, it, it goes back, Court. It's like if people are listening to podcasts, then we all win. And exactly. uh, holding court is just, it's been so much fun to listen to you and kind of, you like flourish and it, it's funny is and then I'll leave you guys with this is you know player people always ask me how it is to see whether it's Cody or Corey or you know whoever you know Will Smith as a young player and see how these guys kind of evolve and I get I get to see it up close and personal and I can personally say you know watching your evolution and kind of seeing how much of an impact you made on so many people and using your platform has been amazing. And to, to have your own uh, podcast uh, for me, it's, it's an honor to be a part of it. And um, I, I completely support you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for coming on here. We know it was a long night. It was a long game. Um, you know, the angels didn't score as many runs as us, but they, they put together some quality at bats and drug that thing out for a while. So, uh, <laughs> we appreciate you coming on after and, and I know you're just excited as we are to get this thing rolling on Thursday. And, um, again, just appreciate your time. We know you got a lot going on. All right, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. It was awesome. Thank you. Thanks doc. Bye. I think we're definitely going to have to have him on again. Yeah. You know, Dave has a lot of layers to him and a lot of stories and he's a, he's a really good speaker. You know, he's like good at like encapsulating his audience and, and bringing them in. So we're definitely going to have to have him come on a couple of times and just check in. I was a little worried he was going to take over my spot on the podcast. Just says the, you know, the lead host on the show, get a little nervous. It's your podcast. No one can take, I mean, now I could get booted out, but it's your <laughs> podcast. I don't think Dave you might can take get, your chair. Like, I don't know. Don't get no. too comfortable. It's a, it could be a revolving door. Yeah, no. I well, mean, you need it. Hey, the season starts. You're back to work today, so yeah, really, you might need a new co-host. So yeah, are you find are a you gonna jobless wonder out there? <laughs> are you gonna to hang uh, out with interview me? any uh, potential co-hosts? Or I what's might gonna happen? put a Craigslist ad out there. Ooh, I think Jen Utley's gonna come knocking on the door. <laughs> I don't know if she's perusing Craigslist, but if I posted a direct I ad don't know. to her, she might be shopping vetted on Craigslist. You never know. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that's it for us. We uh, we have an opening day to get ready for. That's right. To get my. What are you going to do today? Well, I'm going to sit my buns on the couch and post up, get my snacks. Might make a bootleg Dodger dog. Wh yeah, I was going to say, what's the, uh, what's the Postmates going to be for dinner? I don't know. That's a difficult decision. Yeah, it's going to be tough. But all the snacks... Probably make a michelada. Oh, I was going to say, are you going to go with a, like a truly or possibly a white claw? You want, you're going to go michelada, huh? I don't know. There'll be some claw. We'll see. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you should make Dave's secret margarita. That's true. I might whip up the egg whites, get the blender out. We'll All see. Right. Well, y'all, Oh. after listening, <laughs> after listening to the show, while the game's going on, just, uh, I'm sure court's going to be tweeting her little heart out. So, uh, 
give her some compliments, tell her you listen to the podcast and then you're watching the game and uh, hopefully we hear some uh, Randy Newman at the end of the night. Yeah, let's hope Randy takes us away. It's, there's nothing better than when Randy takes us home. Yeah, I'll have to like put my ear up to the TV speaker <laughs> this year. But wow, yeah, I'm excited. Can't wait. I don't know if I'll be on Twitter. I don't know. Maybe. Am I going to interact? Am I going to say something that pisses people off? I don't know. It's possible. Anything goes. Well, it all depends on what Joe and Oral say as well. So <laughs> <laughs> as long as they behave themselves yeah. and, uh, you know, everything goes smooth, we score about 14 runs, it'll be a good night. There we go. A all Kike right. number of runs is the goal. Oh, Kike always has big opening days. So I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks them. again to Dave Roberts for joining us today. And can't believe I'm saying this. Go Dodgers. Let's go. 60-game race, 60-game sprint. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. See you guys. Bye.